Hi, welcome to the Imperial Healthcare Business Podcast. My name is Ibi Adedugwe, and your host for today will be Selvi Ramalingam. She'll be talking to Dr. Haritha Saranga, who is a Professor of Production and Operations Management at the Indian Institute of Management in Bangalore in India. She was awarded the IIMB Chair of Excellence for her contribution to research and teaching excellence. She also chairs the Sustainability Task Force at the Institute. Dr. Saranga's research interest includes studying quality, productivity and sustainability aspects of firms operating in the automotive, pharmaceutical and healthcare supply chains in India and around the world. She uses both empirical and analytical methods in her research, including data envelopment analysis. She has published in many international journals, including the MIT Sloan Management Review Journal. She has also co-authored a book called Reliability and Six Sigma. She has conducted several training programs for organizations such as Tata Moto, Suzuki, Apollo Hospital, Motherhood Hospitals. She continues to work in this space, energetically trying to encourage new business models. We hope you enjoy this episode as we talk to Dr. Saranga about business models and innovation in the healthcare space. Welcome, Harita. Thank you for taking your time to do this podcast with us. We usually start with the background of the guests. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, thanks for inviting me first of all on this talk. And, uh, you know, basically I'm a professor at IAM Bangalore, which is one of the premier institutes in uh, management in India. And I teach operations management. And I have a PhD in reliability engineering from Exeter University, UK. And before that, uh, I have a background in mathematics, uh, applied mathematics to be specific. Um, and I have been teaching uh, in management schools for nearly uh, 20 years now. So I started teaching in 2000 and now it's yeah, 2022. So yeah, 22 years to be specific, yeah. Wow, that's amazing. So you have... You have a background in mathematics. Can you share what inspired you to pivot to management and um, specifically healthcare sector? Um, yeah, that's an interesting question. You know, that I get this question a lot, in fact, uh, from several people, uh, including my students. Um, so when I started uh, my education, uh, you know, uh, I was into mathematics and, you know, because I was good at it, I used to enjoy doing mathematics. In fact, I have half a PhD in mathematics, you know, from IIT Hawaii. I even have a paper. I registered for, uh, you know, a PhD in mathematics. And, and, and for family reasons, I had to uh, move from India to uh, UK. And uh, so I was in the middle of my PhD and I could not continue. And it so happened that in UK, when I was trying out for a PhD admission, you know, my, uh, the PhD supervisor and the center in which he was working for, they were looking for someone with a math background uh, to work on some very interesting problems. For instance, uh, you know, they were uh, specializing on aircraft reliability and maintenance. Uh, they were conducting classes for Royal Air Force and, you know, other uh, aerospace uh, industries. And uh, so there was this, interesting problem wherein you are trying to predict uh, the reliability and the failure rate of aircraft parts before they actually fail. You know, this is uh, this is actually, um, you know, what we do right now in uh, Industry 4.0, uh, 
uh, we're using sensors, we try to predict in advance and do the repair so that you know we can minimize the downtime. So way back in 1997, about there, about where I started my PhD in England, this was my topic of uh, you know my my research. So um, and this topic required a lot of mathematics, and so my background kind of fitted into the PhD program, and and that's how I I started working you know as a PhD student uh, in Exeter University, and 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 then you know. Of course, it was applied mathematics, which was what my uh, expertise was. And uh, when I graduated my PhD, from my PhD in reliability engineering, I could have either joined uh, in an IIT, or which is a Indian Institute of Technology, uh, where I could have taught uh, reliability engineering, or I could have taught mathematics, or I could join IIM. And since I had a background in IIT already as a PhD student, I chose to join an IAM to give it a try. And uh, initial years, I was teaching mathematics-related topics. Uh, but then when I moved to IAM Bangalore, you know, initially I was at IAM Calcutta. Um, and when I moved to IAM Bangalore, I, I purposely chose to join operations management because by then I was exposed to operations management and I was very keen to apply my knowledge uh, of applied mathematics and reliability engineering in operations management. So that's how I ended up being an operations management faculty, even though I had this background in you know, applied math and uh, reliability engineering. And then uh, how did I come to healthcare? Uh, that's again an interesting uh, journey. Uh, you know, initially I used to work a lot on, uh, uh, on automobile industry related topics. Uh, my research interest was uh, automobile industry. I was also looking at pharmaceutical industry uh, as part of, you know, operations management, you know, research uh, topics. I was exploring these aspects. But then over a period of time, I realized that, you know, there are a lot of best practices that automobile industry has developed over the past century, uh, you know, starting from Henry Ford's auto assembly line till date. Uh, which can be very useful if they are applied diligently in the healthcare sector. So from the beginning, I have always been wanting to make a difference. And I felt that over a period of time, whatever expertise I have developed would be best put to use uh, in a healthcare sector because especially in India, we do need a lot of, uh, you know, uh, efficiency, especially cost efficiency because you know, uh, the healthcare related issues in India are mainly to do with uh, affordability, accessibility, and availability of healthcare. Uh, given the huge chunk of uh, population, which is either lower middle class or, you know, below poverty line that we have. Uh, so that's how I, I said, uh, you know, I should switch and start looking into healthcare seriously. And, and, and that's how, you know, I pivoted into healthcare. That is very interesting. So things kind of fell in place for you and you're doing a really excellent job at what you're doing. Um, it's So to unpack what you said, I really, um, it, it kind of resonated when you said, you know, how the business models are, what is done in one sector can be applied to the other sector, say healthcare, where we, we do not have such um, advances yet. 
um, for example, booking an airline can be used to, you know, uh, make appointments in the healthcare, which is kind of still done via phone these days. And it takes a long time to get appointments done. It would be much easier for the patients to just go online and make appointments. And uh, that's, that's incredible that you are doing that. And um, I'm really um, excited and uh, I would be following to see um, how we are going to be doing such things in the future. Um, I would like to uh, bring attention to one of your papers where you compare the business models of hospitals in India and Ireland. Uh, personally, I'm very interested in the space. Can you give a little bit of an overview of this to our audience? Um, so it, this is again a very interesting story. So um, basically, I was looking at, uh, you know, what is already happening in the Indian healthcare sector when I started out uh, to explore this space. And I found that there were several interesting, innovative business models that Indian organizations such as, you know, Aravindai or uh, Narayana Sudeyalaya or even Jaipur Foot uh, had already uh, worked on and uh, you know refined them to the to to a, such an extent that they were able to uh, you know offer healthcare uh, you know in these specific domains to patients at like you know several notches below what it would cost in regular hospitals in India and uh, you know maybe. Uh, you know, many more notches below what it costs uh, in in Western world. Uh, so I got very interested and I started studying them and and I I did see there were a lot of efficiency related uh, you know principles that were already being put to use in some of these hospitals. So uh, so basically uh, that's what we did in this paper. So we looked at. Uh, some of these innovative models in India and to contrast, compare and contrast them to a developed country context, uh, we looked at Ireland uh, because Ireland uh, uh, is, you know, for all uh, practical purposes, it falls in the OECD and it's a developed country. And uh, the reason why I picked Ireland was, of course, you know, my co-author <laughs> comes from Ireland. That is one reason. But otherwise, also, uh, despite uh you know spending nearly more than 10% of their gross national income on uh, healthcare related activities uh, ireland still was facing several challenges in the healthcare sector which is very typical of you know most developed countries if you uh, if you see right i mean us spends nearly 18% of their gdp and i'm sure uk spends about 10% and still we do see long waiting times for elective surgeries and people having to go to uh, emergency uh, for uh, you know regular ailments because they cannot get appointment uh, quickly even for something as simple as you know toothache or you know headache or you know uh, so so basically this is what got me peaked and uh, we said okay let's take a representative country and look at what are the problems they are facing and how some of the innovative business models in emerging countries like India can be put to use to even in the developed country context. That was basically what uh, the paper was about. And in order to you know, highlight the differences and uh, the best practices that uh, one country could adopt from another country, 
we basically made use of eight case studies. Um, you know, we used uh, Porter's uh, generic strategy model to identify uh, one case study each in one of the four, you know, squares uh, of, you know, Porter's two by two matrix. And so four from India and four from Ireland, so that we could compare and contrast, say, a low-cost strategy in India versus a low-cost strategy in Ireland, uh, you know, a differentiated strategy in India versus a differentiated strategy in Ireland, and, and what are the differences and, you know, similarities. And, and essentially, we, we, you know, using these case studies, we essentially show how some of these innovative business models uh, can be adopted in a developed country context as well. That's basically what the paper is about. That is very interesting and incredible that you did that. Um, but uh, not surprisingly, the low-cost model space seems to be the least occupied in both countries. What do you think we can do about this, about the you know inequity in the healthcare part? How do you think we can make healthcare affordable to everyone? Um, okay, so one of the challenges, at least let me start with the easy question first, which is the developed country context, right? Uh, because there, I think uh, more than the affordability is access to healthcare, you know, the delays that they face, which are the challenges. Uh, so what we found was that one of the key, uh, you know, elements of a low-cost strategy uh, arises from uh, volume, right? Because, you know, you are essentially making use of economies of scale, and which means you need to have high volume of patients, uh, even if you get your strategy right and your business model right, and you are able to establish, uh, say, a hospital like Aravindai or uh, NH in a developed country context. You need to have that stream of patients which are coming in and getting treated so that all your resource utilization is a, at a very high level. Because, you know, uh, in healthcare, one of the major uh, costs is actually fixed cost. 80% of healthcare costs are actually fixed costs. So if you want to distribute them across a larger volume, that's when you get your economies of scale. And, and for that, you need volume. So at least in case of Ireland, we had volumes were an issue because they didn't have the kind of number of patients that required healthcare, uh, you know, the way uh, a India or a China or a, or a Brazil would have, right? So, um, so if you want to build, uh, therefore, uh, an affordable and low-cost model in a developed country, I think you need to come up with uh, a different strategy if you don't have that kind of policy. Uh, but, you know, for instance, I think UK or uh, uh, or US or, you know, a large countries can still follow some of the models that were invented in India. Um, and when you come to the, you know, countries like India or less developed countries in Africa, which are struggling with healthcare, uh, the problems are actually of different nature. While we do have these innovative models, which were developed and time-tested, you know, by now they are more than 20, 30 years old, These some of these models, uh, still we are not able to scale them up across uh, other uh, diseases. For example, you know, Arvindai is, is eye care. You know, they, they have mastered it. And, and I think thanks to them, uh, we have several other eye care 
uh, hospitals which have modeled on arvindai and 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 today in india getting a cataract surgery you know i think it's the easiest thing to do for anybody uh, even the poorest of the poor have access to i care uh, and even 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 state governments are coming up with some kind of public private partnership to you know divert or funnel those those patients who need the care to the hospitals which have mastered the low cost model right but you know the same thing is not true for other uh, you know ailments like for example if you are a cancer patient or a, you know uh, or you need like a knee replacement you know we we are not there yet i think that is the challenge that we have so how do we build a healthcare model where 80% of the doctors live in urban india and 70% of the people live in rural india and attracting doctors to rural india where the infrastructure is not developed uh, as well as the urban india is the major challenge that we are facing right unless we diagnose the problem uh, you know even if there are hospitals like arvindai or nh uh, funneling the patient to these hospitals and providing the care you know that the cost of the care uh, is a challenge that india is grappling with that's where uh, the challenge is as of now you highlighted it very clearly um correlating the same problem to the western society um you have big hospital structures in the cities where you know people can go versus uh we don't see similar hospitals with um great infrastructure in the rural area and which makes it harder for people to commute especially uh, when a patient is a cancer patient or other patient that require you know um, repeat visits um so it's a, i think it's the same problem whether developing country or the developed country i think um one is the volume it's because the number of patients in the rural area in the developed countries are much lesser than in the yeah. cities they do not have access to that that's one thing and the second thing is the cost and the number of visits based on the num- the disease they have they won't be able to you know commute to let's say to a place that's farther away for i don't know based on um, if they have getting chemotherapy or radiation therapy or whatever you know so many times then they have to add accommodation and um other things to it which makes it even more complex especially if they do not um have a uh, the ability to shell out a lot of money for this um so basically i think um that's the problem that we need to work towards and um in the future to solve that with the, without the insurance how can we make it accessible for everyone not only for people who are in the city side but also uh in the rural space um thank you yeah <laughs> yeah i i i i maybe you know i can just maybe articulate just thinking aloud you know uh, based on what you're saying is that you know um i i, I agree with you that uh, uh, this is a challenging problem to solve but i do think there are solutions to solve such problems uh, but it requires a change in mindset uh, you know like for instance you know in india we have these dialysis centers and because of the volume we are you know there are uh, you know medical diagnostic uh, companies which are working towards reducing the cost of dialysis for patient 
and uh, so so that you know you you bring in all the elements of uh, standardization simplification reduction in variability which are all the principles that we learn in say a toyota production system or a lean manufacturing to bring down cost right so again this is the focused factory approach that that an aravindai followed or or you know an h followed right so if we apply the same principles that they have applied to uh, say a radiation uh, you know center or a chemotherapy center uh, do we really need uh, you know a surgeon to be present if it is you know that it's already they have already seen you and they have already given you a prescription and you are there is a standard protocol that you are supposed to follow you know perhaps you don't need too many oncologists to be sitting in a radiation center right so we need to train people technicians who are not necessarily mbbs doctors uh, to manage these centers and today with technology and with telemedicine you know we can do a lot of things which is what how the india is actually trying to solve their accessibility problem availability and accessibility problem right like you have uh, hospitals like apollo telehealth which is uh going to remote areas and you know like northeastern states uh, uh in in located in near himalaya uh through telemedicine they are trying to provide uh, healthcare with trained technicians and paramedics not necessarily an mbbs mbbs doctor and and we have very good results uh, some great success stories there and and i feel that is the way to go so one is that can you make use of technology to create experts guiding you online and second having the basic necessary facility that uh, whether uh, a dialysis center or a chemotherapy center you know uh, in place so that you in case of emergency in case there is a need for intervention you are able to rush them to the tertiary care center but otherwise you should be able to make use of your secondary care or primary care centers to provide this kind of uh, you know treatment i think that is where the innovation making use of the technology and people like you youngsters should uh, come into play to solve some of these challenging problems but i'm very hopeful i think if we start you know looking at the problem and trying to solve the problem rather than just being entrenched with our old ideas you know uh, we will be able to find solutions and and that is not very far away for india i i see that it is going to happen soon and perhaps so, these solutions can be adapted by developed countries then right so as you were um just i mean telling us i'm just thinking so maybe based on the past we can kind of predict the occurrence of or the uh, prevalence of diseases and can yes. kind of you know map it out okay the occurrence of specific cancers or cardiovascular diseases are higher in this region and then mm -hmm. maybe that motivates that that can motivate a hospital to establish infrastructure in that area that would cater to that need of the people and so like you said along with telemedicine and the training technicians they can make this much more affordable to um i love this idea it's uh i um yeah i'm getting very excited <laughs> uh, and yeah, i hope glad, um, yeah. 
yeah, I'm hope I'm hoping um, this will happen sooner than um, later. So let's uh, the same uh, paper. You also talk about the hospitals that um, you know struggle when they don't have a well-defined business model. Uh, as um, we were talking earlier, I'm just trying to understand how does that differ from you know exhibiting organizational dexterity, for example. Um, a business can do what they are doing, um, trying to, uh, you know, organize their processes. And at the same time, they need to inno innovate too. They have to innovation is critical if they are going to do um, as a hospital, if they want to experiment catering to different needs, how can they go about it? And what can help them decide whether it's a good way to go or if it's not going to work out. Um, yeah, it's a very interesting uh, question and a concept, actually, uh, especially in the healthcare. Uh, you know, in in other in other businesses, we usually uh, tell them not to try something like that. Um, I'll give you an example uh, from a different industry. Um, you know, um, for example, uh, you take uh, airline industry. Uh, uh, you know, we had this low-cost airline called Air Deccan, which was doing really well. And we had another, uh, you know, premium uh, segment airline called Kingfisher, which was also doing pretty well. Uh, and then they went and acquired Air Deccan, and the rest is, as they say, it's history. Both of them are not there anymore in India now. And uh, one of the reasons that, you know, uh, based on my own operations management experience and knowing what went wrong, uh, uh, I do attribute it to this uh, mistake of trying to mix up these two different, very different strategies, right? Because uh, Kingfisher was all about experience and luxury and, you know, high quality and so on, whereas Eridakan was the minimum necessity, you know, without any frills, just taking the passenger from destination A to destination B. And then when they mixed up these two processes, because the backend processes were so different to achieve these two, uh, you know, customer needs, that they just couldn't manage it, right? So we actually, uh, this is the reason why, uh, you know, we, we advise operations management, academics uh, uh, advise against mixing these two very different strategies. But in the healthcare, uh, to some extent, we do have these hybrid models. Uh, for instance, uh, even in Arvindai or NH, you know, Narayana uh, Health, uh, what they do is that they do have paying patients and they have non-paying patients or highly subsidized patients. And how they do is they do it through cross-subsidy. So they take money from the paying patients and make use of some part of that money to cross-subsidize the patients who can't afford the care, right? And how do they do it? It's not that the quality of care is different. Basically, as far as the surgery goes, uh, they it is the same surgeons. They use the same, uh, you know, resources and uh, consumables, uh, whether it's a cataract lens or, you know, a, a, a bypass, you know, whatever surgery and whatever tent they need to put it in. They're all the same quality. Where they differentiate is the kind of post-operative care you receive. In some sense, you know, you might have to share a, a, a huge 
dormitory along with other patients if you are a non-paying patient. Whereas if you are a paying patient, you might get a semi-private or a private room based on your, you know, what you are ready to pay, right? So that is where it differs. Uh, but rest of the processes are all geared towards high efficiency, and and the reason why paying patients come to them is because they have been operating on so many hundreds of thousands of patients every year. You know their quality of surgery is so high that you want to go get it done by the doctor who has done so many tens of thousands of surgeries. You know every year, right? Uh, because ultimately you care about that and not necessarily, you know, what is the ambience of the place or are there poor patients in the corridor, you know, along with me, you know, things like that. So it works there. Whereas, you know, that doesn't work in an airline industry. Similarly, if I want to give you one more example, you know, Narayana Netralaya is, uh, is, is, is that high-focused strategy uh, hospital that we studied in our paper, innovative business models paper. Uh, they're not a low-cost, low-cost focus, low focused uh, hospital. It's a, it's a focused hospital on eye care, but they were doing R&D on uh, some of the very, uh, you know, rare diseases. And they had equipment and doctors trained in, in such a care so that, you know, uh, they were able to attract people from abroad, uh, in fact, for their, uh, you know, care. Uh, so here, you know, if you're talking about the ambidextrity, I can think of Narayana Netralaya as the best example. Why? Because, you know, they, while they were in a very high super specialty space, they were still trying to do some kind of community care. So what they would do is they would tell the, you know, give a lot of freedom to their, uh, their uh, surgeon. Uh, why? Because, you know, that's how they they end up doing research and you know uh, working on these rare diseases and that's how they can develop their skills. But at the same time, uh, in order to you know gain that expertise uh, and uh, because these are rare diseases, if you're only going to focus on very high paying patients, uh, then you know the number of cases that you're going to see is going to be very few. So what they did was that they said, okay, you know, one day a week or two days a week, you can go and work on your own passion if you want to deliver free care to, you know, patients who can't afford, go to government hospitals and identify if there are these kind of diseases and provide free care, you are free to do that. So that then provided the uh, surgeons an incentive to go and spend on identifying patients which they would not have otherwise, you know, uh, come to their own facility and to gain experience based on treating these patients, right? So this is where I think the ambidexterity comes into play in the sense that you are able to, you know, cater to very high premium patients at the same time provide free health care. So I hope that I answered your question. Yeah, yeah, that, that definitely makes sense because... <coughs> Providing the autonomy to the physicians would, um, you know, enables them to go and do things that, you know, besides what they are doing. And I think that's what um, bigger industries like Google and everybody is doing that, you know, 10% or 15% of their time, they dedicate on um, things that they don't work on usually, um, which can help them innovate and um, solve some of the problems that totally makes sense. Thanks for sharing that. Um, 
So as though healthcare um, has come a long way in India, in the future, do you see Indian hospitals extending services or setting up businesses abroad, specifically in the West? And if so, what challenges do you think they would face? Um, actually, why future? They have already set up, right? I mean, we do have examples. Uh, for instance, uh, Apollo has been having hospitals in uh, you know other countries. For instance, um, I think I mean in the West, when you say, I guess they have come uh, as far as Gulf countries. They have a hospital in Muscat. And uh, oh, they have had hospitals in Sri Lanka and Bangladesh. Uh, and NH, for instance, Narayana Health has a hospital in Cayman Islands, uh, which serves, uh, you know, not just Cayman Island population, but also population in Caribbean, in the US, and in Latin America. So, uh, and, and like Jaipur Food, for example, I think they have. Uh, they have been providing services to nearly 130 countries, I believe, uh, including Africa, Asia, and Latin America. So um, maybe Cayman Islands is the best example for you because you are looking at West when you say West, I'm assuming you're talking about developed world. Uh, so NH has been uh, doing it successfully, I think, within two years after they started their hospital, which was in 2014, I think they have broken even. So they are doing pretty well as far as my understanding goes. Um, however, Apollo hasn't been very successful. Um, they had to sell off their hospital in Sri Lanka as well as in Dhaka. Uh, so I think now, right now, they have a hospital only in Moscow. So, um, while I haven't looked at these cases very closely, I haven't studied them, uh, I would imagine based on, you know, my understanding of providing healthcare, you know, it is a challenge for even organizations which are, which are, which understand the local uh, ground realities very well, right? Uh, so for uh, uh, a company, an organization from a different country to come and uh, you know, establish a healthcare facility in a completely different environment and attracting talent and skilled resources and, uh, you know, meeting the regulatory norms which are very different from one country to another is going to be a massive challenge. So, um, the short answer would be, uh, it's not going to be very easy. Uh, you know, it's not about just starting a hospital. I think anybody can start a hospital. But how do you run it successfully? That will require a lot of, you know, uh, skilled resources, leadership, and, uh, you know, uh, people with vision and perseverance. And, and given, you know, what challenges we already have, the market that we already have in India, I would highly doubt that uh, the hospitals in India would be looking to West, uh, you know, uh, not many would be doing, maybe one or two hospital chains, but uh, it would take some more time. Um, see, in fact, we do get a lot of medical tourism patients, right? Uh, because the number of, you know, the, the delays that, that, that patients in the Western countries face for elective surgery are so long. And, and because the cost of care in India is so less compared to their own home countries, you know, we have what is called medical tourism, 
uh, in India, wherein we get a lot of uh, patients from African countries and even European countries coming to us to get treated. Uh, so that is already happening, and and that is much more lucrative for uh, Indian hospital because they can maintain high utilization because of our population. At the same time, also treat high premium patients who are you know seeking uh, this kind of opportunity. So I would imagine this is the way they would go rather than establishing hospitals in other countries. That makes sense. Um, yeah. So the pandemic has brought about many changes in healthcare sector. Can you share your thoughts on COVID's impact um, on healthcare businesses in India and beyond? Uh, well, uh, I would imagine, uh, you know, uh, while COVID in itself was bad, uh, the kind of changes it brought about to healthcare sector have been good actually. Uh, I would imagine the the, the benefit far outweigh outweigh uh, the drawbacks uh, as far as hospital industry is concerned. Uh, one of the things, you know, simple things like, especially in countries like India and you know other emerging markets, uh, it has brought in a lot more hygiene. Uh, you know, hand washing, for example, you know there is a lot more focus and personal protective equipment, you know, and masks. These are all simple things that we take it for granted in Western countries, but it's not the case in, in countries like India. So it has brought a lot of focus on these things. Uh, definitely that has improved. And also the facilities have become much better because you know we needed to create more wards and even in like primary and secondary healthcare uh, you know, setup, which are mainly located in rural parts of the country, because of the COVID scare and the preparation to get ready for managing the COVID, uh, you know, affected patient uh, patients, which was going to be huge in number, some of these facilities got upgraded. So that is the other advantage I see, and and I hope that we continue to maintain those facilities, and which would then be able to use for inpatient services of other diseases. And uh, the other thing that has improved is the access to oxygen cylinders. Uh, you know, in general, supply of oxygen has significantly increased in the country because of this COVID. Um, and on the on on the negative side, flip side, I think that the patients are now more wary of going to multi-specialty hospitals. For instance, if you take say gynec patients, right? So they want to deliver a baby, they prefer to go to a completely focused gynecology hospital uh, rather than, you know, a multi-speciality hospital because they do not know who's coming with what and then, you know, this this wariness has increased. Um, and, and similar thing is happening on the hospital side also, right? They're not very open to admitting patients with, with, with cold symptoms or other infectious diseases because, you know, it is going to drive away their other uh, inflow. These are the these are the drawbacks that I can think of. But all in all, I think uh, it has had a positive impact on our healthcare infrastructure for sure. That is very interesting. Do you think um, is it going to inspire different business models? I hope so, <laughs> because that would be actually good, right? I mean, that's where. Uh, so all our operations management principles tell you that a focused factory model, right, a focused uh, hospital 
would be much more efficient uh, compared to a multi-specialty hospital. So uh, definitely I see that uh, there is higher demand for focused facilities now. So that should inspire, um, you know, I hope uh, more focused facilities and therefore reduce the cost of care as well. So, so I don't know what is happening in the Western world. I haven't studied. You guys should know that better. But yeah, this is what I, I get to know based on my interactions with, with, the, with the healthcare professionals. I think the West is experiencing a lot of mergers. So, but I think um, having focused facilities would definitely um, help. And it's also very easy to establish too. You would be able to establish in rural area as easily as you can do in cities. Um, so yeah, I, I, that's, that's a great idea. Thank you for sharing that. Um, what do you think uh, business schools need to do to equip medical leaders of the future to be able to change each element of the healthcare ecosystem to become economically and environmentally sustainable without extracting this uh, supply chain, yeah. of course? Right, right. Um, so, see, as we have been discussing right till now, uh, we know now that um, a lot of, you know, these best practices from other industries can be very helpful if they are adopted appropriately into healthcare sector. Uh, but however, uh, uh, the clinicians and the physicians, you know, they, they are not very well versed with some of these best practices because, you know, they they... they 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 are in they work in silos. Their education is is very siloed, uh, uh, and and it's for a reason, right? Because they really have to become experts uh, uh, in 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 that particular domain, whatever their specialty is, and that doesn't leave them space and scope for uh, understanding what's going on uh, in other industries. Uh, so um, therefore. I see that, you know, business schools, if they can create uh, programs and courses, uh, uh, you know, in capsule uh, that are easy for clinicians to, and, and especially hospital, people who are interested in hospital administration to, to, to consume uh, quickly and in their spare time, I think that is going to be uh, highly beneficial. Uh, just to give you an example, you know, for example, our own, I, you know, institute, IIM Bangalore, we recently launched a certificate program in healthcare uh, hospital management for uh, executives who are working in the healthcare industry. So uh, this is an online uh, program. Uh, so we have 10 different courses, including operations management, finance and econometrics, economics and marketing, communication, you know. Put together and 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 they can just watch the uh, uh, videos at their own spare time but at the same time there is enough engagement with the school that uh, you know i just finished one class day before yesterday for them so there, there is also this synchronous face-to-face -face, uh, you know classes that we conduct uh, for each course about three hours and 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 provide kind all kinds of assignments and you know group projects so that there is a lot of interaction happening so that they get the feel of the course of the program uh, very well right so uh, i already see that uh, you know there is 
nearly 120 students who have registered for this course and you know they're really enjoying and they're already seeing a lot of benefits of it based on the discussion forum. So I think courses like this, uh, I, I would imagine uh, would definitely benefit healthcare professionals and they, they will help them make informed choices because some of them are, uh, while they are really good clinicians, maybe what we need today is also hospital administrators. And what I have seen based on my experience is if you just come with an MBA and you have no background in healthcare uh, or, you know, in India, if you don't have an MBBS degree, then it is very difficult to gain that respect from the clinicians who are the ones who attract the patients and who are the ones who more or less are the business person, right? So if, but on the other hand, if you're coming with medical background, but get an MBA degree or go through a professional, uh, you know, certification program in management, then it's going to be a very different ballgame. Then you know both sides, and I think you would make better informed choices and decisions. So any program like this, which will help the medical professionals become better at management principles, I think would be helpful. Absolutely, and thanks for starting this program. Can you talk about your future goals? Uh, well, um, I am not a person who sets goals. Um, I, I actually set direction for myself and I like to go with the flow, but, uh, you know, because there is a direction, I'm in a position to kind of, uh, make choices that ensure that I'm going in the right direction. So just to give you an example, um, you know, about eight, eight, nine years ago, I think I decided that uh, I want to move to healthcare. Uh, even though I was doing very well on uh, as, a, as a researcher in automobile industry uh, and pharma industry. And, and so, so what that decision to move to healthcare did was that I managed to kind of latch on to all the opportunities that came in my way as far as healthcare was concerned. For instance, there was a talk I was asked to give and I, I chose to give it on healthcare and, and that led to some research papers, collaborations and, you know, case studies. And then with that, you know, I do end up doing a lot of programs for healthcare professionals because we do a lot of executive education uh, here at Iron Band. And that gave me enough connects and network opportunities to, you know, further develop my research and, you know, create more cases and more research articles. So I guess it's all about having the direction um, and and making use of that direction to make those right choices whenever there is a fork in the road, right? I mean, if you get this versus this, which direction do I want to go? And 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 so basically that's me actually. That's what I have been doing all my life, and it has worked for me. Yeah. I wish you the very best. And of course, it has worked wonderfully for you. Um, do you have any advice for uh, business school students like us who are contemplating entry into business side of healthcare? Um, wow, it's, it's, a, it's actually a very challenging space. And so uh, there is never going to be a dull moment for you guys. Uh, but uh, so two things I want you to remember. Uh, one is that look at whichever organization that you are working for uh, you know, look at it as a as a spoke in the larger healthcare system. 
right? And keep yourself abreast of what are the challenges that are going on in the healthcare system in your country, region, and see how you can increase the role that your organization is playing in that larger system, right? So if you keep thinking about that, on a day-to-day -day basis, you may be doing whatever everyday chores, but if you keep thinking about it and you know, wondering and keeping yourself abreast of what are the developments that are happening, you will be able to you know, make the right choices and you know, uh, you know, help in decision making, even if you are not the decision maker by, by making those observations and making those connections. And I think that is going to help the larger healthcare ecosystem a lot. And you will be taking it in the right direction. And it will also help you build your own career, your own stature in the organization and outside the organization. So that is my uh, two cents for guys who are getting into it because it's an exciting place and you can really make a difference if you have your heart in the right place. That's a valuable insight, thank you. Coming from a different background, you're able to see things very differently and also how highlighted the problems we are facing currently and how we can, um, you know, problem solve going forward. Thanks so much I, uh, for joining us. I really enjoyed talking with you. Um, I, I wish you the pleasure. very best. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much, uh, Selvi, and all the very best uh, for IB and Selvi for your future and hope to look forward to seeing you guys doing very well as well in your own domain. Thank you. Thank you.